This is the Kasuf Podcast Network, where your trusted advisors are at your fingertips or in your earbuds. At Kasuf, we are an accounting and advisory firm made up of a team of specialists in a variety of fields, from healthcare consulting to cybersecurity to everything in between. Here, you'll discover tips to make your business run better from interviews with our subject matter experts. I'm your host, Tara Arrington. As an ex-journalist turned marketing professional, I'm the non-expert who will chat with our experts, delving into the information you need to help your business succeed. Today's episode of the Kasuf Podcast Network is an excerpt from our recent webinar about the public health emergency expiration. As you may know, the PHE will officially expire May 11th of 2023. This expiration will affect some of the provisions that have been in place since the PHE was started. Today, Senior Healthcare Advisor Stuart Garner will discuss the changes that will affect telehealth when the PHE expires. I do want to start with a couple of comments before we dive into this telehealth overview. It's, it's obviously a big box, uh, this Pandora's box, so to speak, that we opened with telehealth specifically. So I'll, I'll do my best to cover some some what I think are, are critical updates um, and try to stick to a very straightforward what's expiring, what's extended, and kind of when those things are ending. That being said, if we don't cover something today, I know we've mentioned this a few times, but uh, please ask questions in the chat, uh, the Q&A rather. We'll, we'll try to get to those at the end. If you're uncomfortable asking a question for some reason, by all means, email us. And if we can't get a clear answer today, we'll do our best to get you one uh, as soon as possible. And then secondly, before we advance to the next slide, my updates are, are at the federal level. I do want to make sure I say that in case I forget later on in the slides. There are some cases where states have exceptions or other regulatory considerations you need to be mindful of. Please make sure you're checking for any state-specific um, considerations you guys need to be mindful of. Uh, next slide. All right, so we're going to start with what is um, extended, so not expiring at the end of um, the PHE in May. And you can advance to the next slide, uh, Joni, actually two slides. So on the 31st of uh, next year, uh, the following are some of the expirations that I thought were worth noting. So the first being the originating site and geographic location. So during the PHE, Patients could essentially be seen anywhere. Um, at home, for example, they weren't required to and aren't required for the time being to travel to a qualifying originating site and meet those geographic location requirements that they were subject to before. Uh, this flexibility was issued, but after December 31st of next year, that all reverts back to what it was and patients will have to be seen from a, uh, a qualifying site. As far as the providers that were uh, granted the ability to treat patients, uh, that was uh, expanded to include several therapists, occupational, uh, physical, speech, language, audiologists as well. And of course, that's going away as of now anyway. That's probably a key disclaimer as well as of now. That's set to expire at the end of next year. Uh, also, at this point, there are no audio-only services that Medicare is planning to reimburse after the end of next year. I think uh, several of note that they have paid for to date uh, include several evaluation and management services, certain uh, annual wellness visits, for example. I think many of us, uh, or many of you rather, took advantage of that opportunity 
that is going away. You want to make sure you plan for that. And then lastly, the FQHCs and RHCs on the call, you were finally brought to the, um, I'll call it the cool kids table, if you will, and were able to serve as that distant site. Uh, that is no longer uh, going to be the case. You won't be able to be paid for those and bill for those services. Um, next slide, please. As far as uh, what is expiring, uh, more of a start planning yesterday mentality, if you'll advance, Joni. Um, these are set to expire at the end of the PHE. Uh, the first one is very, very important. Uh, the very platform we're on now is a good example of what uh, the Office for Civil Rights allowed practices to use in good faith for telehealth, um, even if it wasn't HIPAA compliant. So the FaceTimes, the Skypes, the Zooms that I mentioned, all that is going away. Um, and I, I do think it's worth pointing out if you're not aware, or rather maybe if you are aware, some of those companies have come out with what they feel are HIPAA compliant versions of these platforms. Teams, uh, Skype for Business, I think Zoom, Zoom for Healthcare, I think is another. Uh, they've even gone as far as to say that they would sign a BAA, uh, Business Associate Agreement. So you certainly want to make sure you do your due diligence regardless of you're going with a platform like that, or if your EMR has created some sort of HIPAA compliant platform, one they claim to be so anyway, make sure you are, you're doing your due diligence and you have those BAAs executed before uh, the end of the PHE in May. I also thought it, it was worth noting in case, in case we've forgotten, for the audio-only services that are covered through the end of next year, if you are using just a regular old-fashioned uh, landline, the OCR does not consider that to be electronic PHI. But if you're using a uh, voice um, over IP or any sort of app that requires internet or Wi-Fi, even if it's audio only, they're gonna consider that electronic PHI at that point. So you're gonna be very mindful of what you're using, even if it's not face-to-face -face or rather uh, video enabled technology, make sure that you are doing your due diligence again and that all of the uh, proper measures are in place. Secondly, Another big one uh, I think we saw a lot with our clients anyway is, is the, the blurring of state lines, so to speak, that allowed providers with equivalent, excuse me, licenses in other states to see patients across state lines that's going away. This is uh, especially state specific, if that's even, that even makes sense. But I wanted to make sure I, I pointed that out with this one in particular because I know across several states in the Southeast, there are, there are different flexibilities and different viewpoints, if you will. Some have already expired and some have actually enacted more permanent flexibilities. You can refer to the Federation of State Medical Boards. There's a good summary of policies by state out there. I can't guarantee how often they update it, but if anyone is interested in that link, I do have that link I'd be happy to share. It's got, like I said, a pretty good um, summary of those state-specific licensure kind of requirements there. And lastly, for those that are, are prescribing controlled substances prior to uh, the public health emergency, a face-to-face -face visit was, an in-person visit was required, uh, and that was relaxed during the uh, public health emergency when certain requirements were met, and that is no longer going to be the case. Uh, next slide, please. Now these, I, I put an asterisk intentionally because technically they are ending or expiring, if that's a, the right way to say it, May 11th, but we have until the end of the year, or they will they will go on through the end of the year. So it's a, another another confusing thing in, in what is already a very confusing situation. But 
The first being the relaxation of home address reporting for providers who are seeing patients uh, via telehealth. So once uh, the, the end of the year of this year has, has reached us, you will, have, you will have been expected to add all of your provider home addresses to the existing enrollment record on PACO. So if you plan to continue allowing your providers to see patients via telehealth from home, you want to make sure that you're updating the enrollment records with Medicare on their PACO system to reflect those addresses. Now, I've, I've had a couple of folks ask me about this process. We, I do a lot of work with credentialing here, and Medicare has, has expressed um, the intention to make changes to applications. I know they are rolling out a new form or a platform, rather, for PACOs, uh, but specifically with the applications, they are, are trying to make it a little clearer and easier to indicate that this address you are adding is not to be shared publicly uh, because it's not required to, to be shared through the physician compare database. So I would suspect that uh, they'll come out with some of that clarification here in the next few weeks because I know several groups and a lot of providers out there are looking to add those addresses. So be on the lookout for some of those updates, but you do technically have until the end of the year to make all of those changes. Uh, and the second one that's a big one is the payment parity. So for the duration of the public health emergency, we've been fortunate enough to be paid, or you rather have been fortunate enough to be paid equal rates for an in-person visit with the uh, telehealth services that Medicare approved. Uh, that is, is going away. So the Medicare physician fee schedule rule actually extended this through the end of the year. So the 152nd day after the public health emergency, we should continue to report the same place of service indicator. You guys have been reporting this whole time as if the visit was performed in person. So if you work for an outpatient clinic, it should be place of service 11. That should continue all the way through the end of the year, but on that 152nd day, you do not have to report that modifier 95 any longer to CMS. Uh, and starting January 1st of next year, all the uh, place of service indicators should refer back to what they should be, and the payment rates should be reduced, barring some unforeseen changes with the uh, next year's uh, Medicare physician fee schedule rule. Uh, next slide, please. So, and you can advance one more for me, Joni. The, we had a couple of questions in the pre-registration about the CPT-specific changes, what's expiring, what's been extended, and uh, I'll be honest, uh, this telehealth and all these relaxations and, and extensions are, like I said, very confusing, but I did feel a little better about uh, what seems to be some confusion from CMS, uh, and it's the folks who are, are kind of more in charge, if you will, of some of these, these relaxations and extensions don't seem to have some sort of consolidated resource and actually have some uh, almost conflicting resources out there for the public to, to use and have access to, it makes me feel a little better anyway. So maybe somebody out there finds a little more comfort in that as well. But I did put uh, a couple of images here and on the next slide in a second, you'll see the links to these two resources. They're both great resources. I don't mean to suggest they're not reliable, but what, what you need to do is you need to make sure you use both together. Uh, the first is uh, an Excel spreadsheet for all of my, my other uh, Excel kind of geeks out there like me, I, I love a good spreadsheet. It has lists of codes, descriptions, if you're permitted to perform them via audio only, and if there are any sort of payment limitations. So we've got all sorts of good things on there, evaluation and management codes, uh, outpatient settings, nursing facility settings, annual wellness visit codes, so on and so forth, and it's, it's really easy to kind of filter and, and search through. Whereas the second image below is from a PDF fact sheet 
that Medicare actually updated two weeks after the spreadsheet. So the first resource was last updated February 13th. And this PDF uh, fact sheet many of you probably have was last updated on February 24th. And when I started comparing the two, I realized that there were additional codes listed on the PDF uh, that were not listed on the spreadsheet. So that's when I started realizing that uh, you want to use both. And if you like the format of the spreadsheet and you don't see a code there that you think may be extended, I would double check the PDF to see if there's language there that suggests uh, that was just overlooked or missed when that spreadsheet was created. Thank you for tuning in to the Kasuf Podcast Network. Resources for today's episode are linked in the episode notes. Thank you to our producer, Russ Dorsey, and for Kasuf for powering this podcast. Be sure to stay up to date on new episodes and more information about today's episode by following at Kasufco. Until next time, thanks for tuning in.